your seat too today. Great job. Let's give the children a round of applause. Awesome job, Thank God for all the little ones. Jesus said, let the little children come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of what? Of God in heaven. I thank God for uh, the children, and they are a blessing to us. This morning, if you'll join with me in your Bible, uh, to Romans in chapter 1. Romans in chapter 1. <laughs> this week I was planning on, on preaching the entire rest of the passage, but uh, it's going to take two more weeks to finish the entire passage. Romans in chapter 1. Last week we looked at verses 8 down through verse 16 and how the household of faith, and this principle is taught throughout the scripture, Believers are part of the household of faith. But the household of faith gives us a wonderful opportunity to live with truth applied. Truth applied makes us thrive. Romans in chapter 1, in verse 17, if you'll join me there. And the Bible says, For therein is the wrath, or sorry, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. I believe we live in a generation where this is currently being lived out before us today. These truths are being lived out before us today. In Romans in chapter 1, I thank God for this wonderful truth, this powerful truth. Truth applied makes us thrive. The Bible tells us here, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And last week I alluded to this, but I didn't read. The just shall live by faith. You say, what kind of faith? Look back in verse 16. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. I thank God for the glorious salvation that Jesus Christ brings. And let's join together this morning in prayer. And ask the Lord to meet with us today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its power to transform and to change our hearts. Help us today. Encourage us, challenge us, and strengthen us. And may we have the truth applied. May you use this truth to help us to thrive in this new year, we pray. By the grace of God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome each of you joining us today. So great to have you in God's house. If the only thing that changes in our lives is that we grow deeper in our meditation upon this book and love people as Jesus did 
as you and I develop a passion to share the gospel with others, then I will have succeeded as your pastor. We have set a standard of success so high that it seems impossible to achieve godliness. And this morning I desire to give you something that's helped me. A truth that has power to revolutionize our lives. I believe every biblical truth has the power to revolutionize our life if we will apply it. And the household of faith is a beautiful thing. Back in verse 8 we saw this church in Romans. That in verse 8 it says... First of all, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. They had a kind of faith that was contagious. I thank God that faith is contagious. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen, provided the elders obtain a good report. Through faith, we see, we understand that the worlds were created by the word of God. So the things which are made do not appear the things which do exist. The Bible says in verse 6 that without faith it is impossible, Hebrews 11, 6, to please God. For the account of the God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You say, why should we go to the house of God? Why should we go to the house of God? Why should we go to church? Um, we should go to church because we want to seek God, we want to get to know His Word better, and we want to come under the spout where the glory flows out. God uses the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise, and I thank God for His Word and the power it has to transform our lives. The Bible tells us that this Word is living, this Word is alive. Gospel living is faith-filled living. The Bible says in verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Do you believe the just should live by faith? Do you believe? I believe the just ought to live by faith. I believe I ought to live by faith. Then, can God still use you and me? I believe He can. And He will use us in accordance to our level of faith. Remember the words Jesus spoke in Matthew 9, 29? According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, be it unto you. What if God limited his use of me or you simply because we were unwilling to trust him with an area in our life? Simply because we said, Lord, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if your way is best. I believe God to obey God rather than man. This is in time period where we have that under test. God to obey God rather than man. It takes faith to trust the truth of God. And this morning, as we look into this text and unpack these truths, I'd like to look at several truths that I believe will help us and encourage us. And uh, as we see this, this passage, it is a progression, though, sadly, this passage, away from the truth. Uh, we begin the passage with the household of faith, and uh, in verses 1 through uh, 8 through verse 16, we really see how the faith was known, and this faith transformed lives, followed the life of prayer, praying for these believers, and these believers in verse 16, Paul told them he was not ashamed of the gospel, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of faith. It takes faith as the faith of a grain of mustard seed, it takes faith as of the faith of a little child. This morning as we see this passage, we're going to see a, a progression away from the truth, and how that happens, and first, I do believe truth of life makes us thrive, but if we're not careful, this can happen in our life. And uh, we see this happen in our society, the twisting of the truth. Verse 18 says, for the, look at this, what's the next word in your Bible? The, the what? The wrath. The wrath of God. Now look, 
I believe God is a God of love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, what does he say next? Should not perish. So God is a God of love. But he says that if we don't believe, we'll perish. Verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. A twisted form of truth. We have a political agenda, right? Political platforms said truth over lies. They seem to kind of not follow that agenda, though. They seem to not follow that statement. They seem to have deviated directly from it the moment, the days, the weeks. As they transpire, it seems to be further deviation from the truth. How can you call yourself the first woman president, the vice president, when you don't even believe in gender? Okay? Come on. I'm the first woman vice president. Okay, congratulations. But we don't believe in gender. Well, you really succeed, all right? Um, you just undermine your very achievement. Twisting the truth. Twisting the truth. Now, it's easy to frame others and say they twist the truth, but if we're not careful, uh, we can twist the truth. And in this passage, it says that those who hold the truth, I believe we can directly apply this to the beliefs of believers, those who hold the truth. Uh, we are commanded to hold the truth of God. And so, they are to, we are told the truth. But sadly, though, if we are holding the truth without allowing that truth to transform our lives, it is destructive. Think about that. We hold the truth, okay? We say, I got the truth, okay? I thank God for His Word. His infallible, inerrant, inspired, preserved Word. But if all we do is hold it and we know it and we got academic knowledge... But that knowledge does not transform the way we behave, the way we act to those who are different than us, the way we respond in society. Uh, my friend, we're holding the truth in unrighteousness. And uh, we, we have a whole generation that's held the truth in unrighteousness, a generation of Christians that we have held the truth in unrighteousness. And God's convicted me many times that I've held the truth in unrighteousness. Holding to the truth without allowing it to transform our lives, it's destructive because we think we're godly, but truly, we're falling apart. We're like the two Jesus described. Remember, they went to the temple to pray. One was a religious man, the public. One was a Pharisee, the religious man. The publican was a really, what you would call a simple man, and also what you would say, also a man who was greedy and had stolen from people. So you have a thief, and you have somebody who's pious on the other side, and God hears the prayer of the thief and doesn't listen to the one who holds the truth. Why? Because he holds the truth in unrighteousness. You say, but the other guy doesn't have as much truth. No, he didn't. But what truth he did have. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The other guy could have started the same way and God would have heard him. Holding the truth without allowing it to transform our lives. Lord, I'm a sinner. This morning as we read our devotions, there was a verse that we saw in Psalms 7 and verse 11. If you join me there, I'd like you to see it. Psalms 7, 11. Um, while you're turning there, you say, Pastor, why are we turning there in our Bible? We could just put it up on the screen. We could, and I will sometimes. But, my friend, <laughs> um, there, there is an element to which 
if we will pull the Word of God ourselves, I challenge you, get a copy of God's Word, pull it, underline it, mark it up, and wear it out so you have to get a new one. Uh, I like this reference. It's my favorite. It's, it's a good reference, 7-Eleven. Uh, I can get a free Slurpee on that day. <laughs> my, my twin brother has a birthday on that day. It's just a good day. 7-Eleven is an easy reference to remember. But as we were reading this morning, verse 11 says, Psalms 7-11, God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. You say, but God's a God of love. He is a God of love, but he is angry with the wicked. And you say, well, God's angry with those wicked people. He is. But look at verse 11, the first part. God judgeth the who? Uh-oh. Lord judge them. No, he says, I'm judging you. Well, God judgeth the righteous. True, the blind makes us thrive. But there are, if we're not careful, there are those, and we can easily ourselves twist the truth. We can twist the truth. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean on thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. The Bible goes on and says in verse 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Um, fear the Lord and depart from evil. There must be a departing from evil. There must be a departing from evil. What the Bible say? If any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creature. There's got to be a departing from evil. And so, in order for us to abide in the truth, as we've learned the household of faith, and in order for us to live out the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, we must live by faith. Verse 17, the just shall live by faith. And then we must recognize that God puts out his wrath to be under the finger, the pressure of God. His wrath against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. So any area in my life, your life, that's unrighteous or ungodly, God's wrath is revealed against that if I willfully, presumptuously, knowingly, intentionally get involved in it. And so, if there's any possibility that it could be a sin, we ought to just avoid it. Twisting the truth. Uh, we live in a generation that, that suppresses the truth. The wrath of God is revealed on all those who claim the truth but, full, but reject to fully follow the righteous one. What a generation suppressing the truth. And look, it didn't start with Facebook, okay? <laughs> it started a long time ago. The suppressing of the truth. John, in verse 8, chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus said, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You say, I love that. I want to be free. And today we have a whole society, a whole generation of Christians say, I want to just be free. I have freedom. All right? I got freedom to do whatever I want. No, 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 no. I don't have freedom to do whatever I want to do. I have freedom to do whatever he wants to do. I have freedom to do whatever he wants me to do. Freedom in the velvet chains of Jesus Christ. Freedom found in the chains of God's truth. You say, what does that mean? It means that I allow my life to be in line with the Word of God, and as He continually reveals the truth, I walk in the truth. Otherwise, I'm going to wind up being like the rest with twisted truth. Twisted truth. Uh, we know the world twists the truth, but do they see those of faith twisting the truth? Using truth for our own advantage. It's a temptation. May God help us to not fall in that trap. 
Secondly, this morning, let us look at the timelessness of truth. The timelessness of truth. If you examine in our text in Romans chapter 1, verse, now moving on to verse 19, we see those who hold the truth in unrighteousness, and we could speak on that for a while. There's a lot there. Holding the truth in unrighteousness. But he goes on and says, because that which may be known of God is manifest. It is shown, he says, it is revealed, it is displayed in them, for God has showed it unto them. We live in a very visual generation, okay? And a generation uh, that is very rapidly moving. And if we're going to help one another, we're going to grow into faith, we have to understand what we need to do to connect with people. And I don't want you to spend the entire message every week thinking, what did you just say, or you take your notes. And that's part of the reason why using a little bit of PowerPoint sometimes to help you and to help those of you who want to take notes so that you don't have to be distracted and thinking about, oh, what, what was just said, and spending the rest of your mind and missing the points of the message, missing the truth, the timelessness of the truth. Specifically, this truth is the gospel, verse 16, revealed through creation. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, God says. So as we look at the revealed, the revealed timeless truth of God, we see the known. The known. There are some things that we know. Even a child, the Bible says, is known by his doings, whether his works be good, whether they be evil, or they be right. I don't know if God's given you opportunity to be around children, but earlier this week I got to be around some kids and just... I love visiting people, I love being in homes and spending time with people, and, uh, just people in the community and things. And I got to be around some kids this week and in, in their homes visiting. And, and you know, I tell you, it's just, it's, it's amazing how much a child knows. And uh, the child had uh, deceived me. The child was being a little, little rebellious and uh, uh, it's amazing how, how much a six-year-old can rebel against their parents. I mean, this kid really, really mouthed off to their dad right from me, and just right stood up right to face the dad. Don't you talk to me now? Like, uh, and uh, I just got stood back and, and uh, went and did something else. And uh, I was working, doing some things, and I was like, okay. And a little later, uh, the next day, the child walked up to me and said, "I just tricked my mom." All right, look, even a child is known by his doing. That child knew that they had just tricked their mom. And I already had an idea they were tricking their mom. They were, they were coming over and dropping off Hershey's Kisses while I was working. And I was like, where did these come from? Oh, I stole them. I was like, that's great. And uh, look, the, no, the child even knew they were doing wrong. They even told me. They said, I tricked my mom. <laughs> and I got away with it again, they said. Ooh. The no. That which may be known. That which may be known. The Bible says in verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Curiosity is a great thing, but don't let curiosity be your only thing. Look, there's a lot of things about the Bible I do not completely know. You say, when are you going to find out? When I get to heaven. I'll keep studying, but I won't know all of those things. People ask me questions, and I say, I don't know the truth of the matter. But don't spend your life completely just obsessed with the unknown. There are enough truths that we know in the Bible that we ought to live by, and we ought to teach those ones. Like, uh, here's a good one, men. 
This is tough, all right? Are you ready? Pass your seatbelts, man. I was commanding us to love our wives even as Christ loved the church. How are we doing with that? That's tough. That's tough. I, I struggle with that. I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church with the same kind of love. You say, but she did. Uh, uh, uh. I'm supposed to love. Say, but she didn't submit. Uh, I'm supposed to love. That's tough right there, right? Uh, that's tough. But it's a command. We know it. Do we obey it? Teaching our precious children the greatness of Jesus Christ is a command. We're to teach them the greatness of Jesus Christ. Just it's such, it's such a, a delight. My daughter was so sleepy last night. She almost fell asleep. She was like at a point of tears. You know, those of you have, have raised girls, you know, at a point of tears, right? And, and she was enjoying the night. She was, she was getting ready to go to bed. She was just at the point of tears. Everything made her cry. And, uh, and we were getting ready to go to bed. And she, we were going through the little Bible story book. And she said, she said, yeah. We were getting, getting to Jesus. And we saw Jesus on the cross. And she said, stop right there on that page. She said, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And that stands for the bad things we've done. And you know, it's just a little child. A child's beginning to understand the word of God. I know we each need to try to train them to understand the word of God, but it starts with simple things. Teaching the, us, uh, we have to teach to love one another. How are we going to teach others to love if we don't love? We all have, Paul had them, Jesus had them, we all have people who don't like us, my friend. But we've got to teach, we've got to teach those around us how to love. And if we don't love our enemies, we can't teach others to love their enemies. So, the known. Secondly, as we notice in our text, the invisible, look in verse 20. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Bible has manifested the known. We have that known in the written word of God. We also have that through creation. But there's also things that appear invisible, but truly they're manifest by the word of God and through the very creation of God, the invisible things. It takes faith to see these things, but they are made manifest if we will open our eyes, if we will seek to see them, the visible. He says they're clearly seen, be understood, he says. He says what's understood? Even his eternal power and Godhead, that is a reference to the deity of Jesus Christ, is a reference to the Trinity, a reference to a whole triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, so that they are without excuse. You say, how does God manifest these things through creation? How does he manifest the, the invisible, his Trinity? It's visible to the searching heart. If we're searching, we'll find the answer. Have you found that? You're looking for something, you'll find it. Uh, if you really seek after it, you'll find it. The invisible. There are several things that manifest this through creation. A banana divides itself into three parts. You open that up. And if you've ever tried it, that thing will split the three little perfect, as my as a child, we used to take those bananas, we'd unpeel them, we put our finger right down the middle and we split it into three little sections to make our banana split. We want it to be divided into three little sections. Three in one, literally three in one. Water is manifested in three forms. You have the liquid, which we all use and enjoy. But aren't you thankful you don't have to drink ice? Can you imagine trying to drink steam? All right? 
So water is manifest in three forms. We have the steam, we have the ice. We have to go down by Lake George yesterday. Some family down there, and, and uh, the gentleman actually fell through the ice yesterday at the, at the lake. And, uh, and they had to bring the ambulance to, to get the gentleman out. And I don't know why people were out on the ice. The ice was, the, the water was still visible. But I guess it was thick enough, and they're used to getting out on it. There was a lot of people, hundreds of people, out on the ice in their little tents. My wife said, that does not look like fun. And uh, I tell you, enjoying the freezing cold tundra, the ice fishing, enjoying that. But you know, the ice has its purpose. Don't you enjoy a little bit of ice? Cool off your drink, it is enjoyable. Thank God for the, the different ways in which we can see this. So even in creation, we see uh, the display of diversity and that God reveals himself through creation, the timelessness of truth. This morning as we continue, there's also something that's rather sad in the passage. It is the tragedy of truth. You say there's a tragedy to truth. We think of truth. We do not think of something tragic. We think of something glorious. We think of something exciting. But the Bible tells us in verse 21, because that when they knew God, okay, we're not speaking of the unbelievers, we're speaking of those who knew of the faith, those who had been around the faith, those who had been around the things of God, not those who are ignorant. They glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became, he says, vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. This week I was speaking with a gentleman out of the community who told me he was in his 80s. And he shared with me how one of his loved ones has recently, he said, my grandson, I just found out he is gay, he said. And then he went on to explain to me that basically God made his grandson that way. And he said, well, I was involved in the health department. Look, the health department will educate you on anything that they want you to do. And he was fully convinced. It's rare to see somebody of that age that's fully convinced that that is natural and normal. And I said, it's too bad. He said, I hope you're not going to medicate him to change that. Because often children wind up wanting to reverse that later on in life, and it's very devastating. And because I didn't want to uh, strike fear in the heart of him, I didn't say the next thing I was thinking, which was often when a child goes on this medication taking this um, and, and it's just it's tragic. You say is that the plan of God? I, I don't believe God makes accidents. I don't believe God makes accidents like that. He said he made them male and female. We'll get there next week, the last part of the passage. There's a lot more than just that there, but the last part of the passage really deals with. Uh, it deals with the whole subject uh, which our nation is going through right now. We'll get there next week as we dig into this. But the tragedy of truth is that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. And, and it had unthankful spirits. And then He says, became vain in their imaginations. The curiosity, right? Now a child can wait till they're four years old to decide. Have you ever known a four-year-old to know what they were or what they wanted? Look, I was 13, and I had not a clue what I wanted to do with my life, all right? And I thank God for godly parents who instilled wisdom in me, all right? And, you know, if you just leave a child out to their own devices, my friend, we're in for destruction, all right? Uh, the tragedy of truth. 
the tragedy of truth. And we live in a society that's falling for this. A lot of information, but really tragedy in it. When God gives us and reveals to us his truth, he gives us a timetable to respond to that truth. We think about that. When God reveals his truth to us, he says, hey, go in the way, walk in. Aren't you thankful for Abraham? Abraham responded to truth. You say, how does this display itself? Eve was in the garden. She had to respond to truth or respond to the twisted version of truth. And she chose the twisted version of truth. She chose to doubt God, live in unbelief, the tragedy of truth. She followed the twist instead of trusting the truth that God had given to her. Think of Noah. Noah, what a beautiful story. Thank God for a man of faith. Man who built an ark when there had never been any rain. But nobody else believed except his family. They alone were spared the tragedy of truth, rejecting that truth. They heard him, the preacher of righteousness, but they didn't respond. Delayed obedience is disobedience. But how often we fall short right there. In 3 John 1 4, the apostle writes and tells us he had great confidence that they would obey. Does God have confidence in our obedience to the truth? If God was to leave you and I alone on this earth, would we walk in the truth, or would we do our own thing? If you and your enemy were the only souls left on the planet, could God leave you both here, and would you learn to care for one another? The tragedy of truth. What's wrong in this passage with these people, you say? First, they had no worship. No worship. The tragedy of the truth is that they, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. So no worship. Also, they had no thankfulness. Neither were thankful. Do you enjoy spending time with unthankful people? I don't. All right? And uh, I do not enjoy spending time with people who are unthankful, unappreciative. It, it wears you out. No worship, no thankfulness. Thirdly, uncontrolled desires. This truth, the tragedy of this truth is that they have uncontrolled desires, vain in their imaginations, an empty imagination without a compass, just going no direction, just out, out of, out of uh, calibration, just following their own path, doing their own thing, experimenting. Why well, you just got to experiment? We can do nothing for or against the truth. Uncontrolled desires. Fourthly, we see in this tragedy, there was a darkness of the heart. In verse 20, uh, 21, it says, And their foolish heart was darkened. Their foolish heart was darkened. They resisted the truth, and their heart was darkened. Now, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, right? But Pharaoh resisted God first. He resisted God, and God began to harden. And God began to harden and continued to harden his heart. My friend, you say, should we pray for our elected officials to get saved? Yes, we should. My friend, there is some great hardness of the heart. And even if God himself was to descend, I think they would strike up an army to fight against him. There is great hardness in the heart against God. And if we're not careful as Christians, we can get to a place where our heart becomes a little bit darkened and we ought to ask God, Lord, help me, show me if there's any area in my heart that's getting a little bit dark, any area that's getting a little bit sickly, because if I don't tend to my spiritual heart, it will become dark. If I don't let the truth in, 
the shadows of the world, the clouds of the world, the confusion of the world will darken my heart, the darkness of heart. We see, fifthly, there's an educated fool. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Utilize a caution to all of us. None of us have all wisdom, and our perspective is limited at best. So when we walk with Christ, that wisdom will be deeper. But in this text, we read an educated fool. It says, the professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. We have great uh, levels of education we've succeeded and we've achieved here in America. But we have educated ignorance. All right? Willfully ignorant, educated unto ignorance. And by the way, the fool had said in his heart, there is no God. Educated against the truth. An unholy exchange, we see. We see in verse 23, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God, uncorruptible God, into an image made like to corruptible man. And to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. We have a society that is really focused on animals, focused on preserving the pets, right? There's way more emphasis on preserving the wildlife than there is on taking care of human life. And our society is extremely imbalanced in this area. The fines are greater if you kill an animal than if you kill an abortion baby which is a human life created in the image of God, in unholy exchange. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. It's a society that rejected God. You say, when's this happening? Is he speaking in 2020? Well, it sure looks like it. But this is back hundreds of years ago. You see, you read in your Bible, they had changed the truth of God, twisted the truth. They twisted it and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image. The tragedy of the truth is that we don't worship God when we should, and we wind up in the end going through the succession and we worship something else instead of God. We have a society that worships a lot of things, doesn't it? Uh, a society that worships stuff, a society that worships uh, people, the American idol, Look, and there's a lot of fun things you can see on there, you know, people doing things, but you know what, it's, it's really focused on entertainment, focus on personal achievement, my friend, and, and really a society that's falling away from God. The timelessness of truth, and then the tragedy, may God help us to not fall into the tragedy of truth. When God reveals his truth, he gives us a timetable to respond to it. I want to remind you of this truth as we close this morning. The greatest problems among us are mental problems rooted in the mind that is empty of the word of God. Our society is trying to medicate and change everything, my friend, and people are so confused right now. So many mental problems in society, and one of the side effects for those usually is the very thing that it's trying to prevent. And uh, we live in a society that depends on medicine instead of on God. I read of men in the Bible who died because they depended on medicine instead of God. And uh, my friend, 
We ought to live a life depending on God. Could God use medicine? Absolutely. But we ought to have a life of faith, trusting in God instead of himself. The greatest problems, mental problems, rooted in a mind that's empty of the word of God. The tragedy of truth is that we have a head knowledge but no heart knowledge. We've missed it by 18 inches. That really helped me as a young person. I remember when I was 13 years old, hearing the preacher preach and realizing I had missed heaven by 18 inches. I knew all the academic knowledge of the Word of God. I had so many verses memorized, but my heart did not desire God. My heart did not know God. My heart did not follow God. I did it all for the academic reasons. My friends, you've got to come to a place in your heart where you say, I love God, uh, and it's not just your mind knowing God, but my heart says, I want to follow Him. I want to submit. I want to let the Lord be the leader, the guide in my life. I want to thrive in the truth. My friend, may we all ask God to help us with this today. Would you ask the Lord to help you, to guide you into all truth? Jesus' prayer in John 17 was that the disciples would be guided, would be led, the believers would be led, the future believers would be led into all truth. The Holy Spirit will lead us into truth if we'll ask Him to. My prayer is that God unlocks the windows of heaven and that through faith we see the invisible. May the truth triumph in our lives, in our homes, and in our church. And my friend, as we stand for prayer in just a moment, I'm going to encourage you to respond to the truth of God. Would you read one last passage with me before we stand today? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, in verse 8. 2 Corinthians 13, in verse 8. And we will think about this as we close the service this morning. The truth. God wants us to respond to it. Truth applied makes us thrive, but there's a tragedy to resist. If I'm going to help others respond to the truth, I've got to respond to it. Even if it's just a little truth, respond to it, because God's truth changes lives. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 8, For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. We can do nothing, he says, against the truth, but for the truth. May God help us to follow the truth and to not be one in whom the wrath of God is revealed because they held the truth in unrighteousness. Let's stand together for prayer. Ask the Lord to help us with this this morning. Lord, help me to not hold your truth in a way. Your judgment would fall on my life. You stop using I pray, Lord, that you would help each of us have a heart that seeks after you. Father, be with us right now. Settle upon us. Help us to respond to the truth of the word of God. Help us to do business with heaven. Help us to let you guide us into all truth. Pray for any in the room who may not have Christ as their Savior. They come to a place where they put all of their faith in Jesus Christ alone. For he is the way, the truth, and the no man comes to the Father, but by you. I thank each of you who watch, watch my way of life. I'm going to close out the live stream at this time. As the piano begins to play in just a moment, I want to encourage each of us with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Let us respond to the Lord this morning. And you're here, you just say, Pastor, you know, in my heart, God's just encouraging me, challenging me, and I want to just walk in the truth in a greater way. I believe that that would be the prayer of all of our hearts. I want to walk in the truth in a greater way. If that's you this morning, you just with, with everybody's head bowed, just want to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, remember me in prayer.